Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I want to look at verse 13. We're talking about the ministry you have received of the Lord. Hallelujah. Every member has a supply to bring and every part, every person has a part to play in the work of God. Galatians 5 and verse 13 gives us an insight into that part that we have to play. It says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. By love serve one another. Now that takes us back to the text that we began in this teaching on Jesus, and we won't go back to read throughout the entire text, but for your notes, if you're taking notes, in John chapter 13, we read previously through chapter 13, verses 1 through 16, and we saw where Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. And then he gave instruction. And there were two specific phrases in that instruction that uh, we identified and gave emphasis to. One of them was he said, you ought to do this. And then he followed up again and said, this is what you should do. You should do this. You should serve one another. You ought to and you should serve one another in the same way that I have been an example and I have served you and I have demonstrated to you that I have come not to be served not to be in a position uh, of, of what is considered by the world to be on top, but I have come to serve. And he gave us that example by being uh, obedient to the Father's command. One of the definitions of minister, he said, I have not come to be ministered to, but I've come to minister. And that word minister that we read from Matthew 20, it was a word that is defined as a servant, one who fulfills the commands or executes the commands of a master, one who executes the commands of a master. He said, I have come to minister. I have come to serve. And we see throughout the book of John, Jesus making statements such as, I've come to do my father's will. I've not come to do my own will. I've come to do my Father's will. I only say that which my Father has told me to say. I only do what the Father has shown me to do. He said, I am, I am specific and on task as a minister of the Lord. He gave that example for you and I to follow, to serve. And then he said, that's what makes you great. He said, in this kingdom of God, in this kingdom, if you want to be great, be a servant. If you want to be great, be one who executes the commands of another. Glory to God. That's what God calls great. Amen. 
And that's why, because that's the definition he has given, that's the definition we want to give. So let's go back here and let's look again at this here in Galatians 5. He says that we have been called to liberty. We've been called to liberty. But this liberty, we've been set free to serve God. Not by compulsion, not by requirement, but by liberty. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Hosea. And Hosea was instructed to take a wife of the horse. He married a woman who had a reputation and who carried her past into their marriage. And he went looking for her one day and she had gone back into her old lifestyle, and when he found her, he found her on the auction block. And Hosea did not stand up and say, wait a minute, she's my wife, give her back to me. Because of what was required, he had to pay and purchase her. She was on the slave auction block. And he was willing. He, you know what he had to do? He had to be the highest bidder. And he had to bid and pay the highest price to redeem his wife from the decisions she had made and the, and the choices and the direction she had gone. And the conversation they had when they returned home is so touching to me. Because he had paid this price for her, because he had bought her as a slave off the block, she looked at him and she called him master. And he said, I didn't purchase you so that you could call me master out of obligation. I purchased you so you could be my wife. So that we could have the relationship we're supposed to have so that I could be your husband. Don't call me master, call me husband. In other words, I want you to be in this relationship because you want to. I want you to do it. I want you to do the the things in this relationship, you know, cooking the food or what. I don't want you to get up cooking my food like a slave would cook my food. I want you to know you're my wife and I was willing to pay. And so we have that redemption. It's a story of the redemption in Christ. God redeemed us. He purchased us and he paid the price, the highest price. He was the highest bidder. He was required to pay the highest price. The Satan didn't cut him any deals and lower the price to purchase us. He required the highest price. Justice required the highest price and God willingly paid it. But he didn't do it so that we could serve him out of obligation. There we go with the heart again. He wants us to serve him out of the willing heart. We have been called unto liberty. He has set us free, not so that we can serve ourselves, not so that we can fulfill our plans, Not that we can go our own way. Not so that we can have it our way. No, He has called us to liberty. He has freed us. 
And now with that, that liberty and with that freedom, we are free so that we can by love serve one another. Notice it says one another. By love serve one another. Because when we're serving in the body, ministering to the saints, ministering uh, in the local church, we're ministering to the Lord. You know, Jesus doesn't have a floor that you can go vacuum in heaven. But he has a floor here that you can vacuum. Amen? He, the, when we're doing it here, when we're doing it to each, when we're ministering to each other, we're ministering for him. And that's what he was explaining when he said, when you've done it to the least of these, when, when the uh, parable, the story was given of the, the sheep and the goats, and, and there were goats who said, the people that were put in that category, there were those who said, but Lord, we prophesied in your name. We've done this in your name. We've done this. And he said, I never knew you. They wanted to do certain things without that relationship. But then at the same time, he said, there are those who have went into the prison and ministered to the prisoner. And they said, he said, when I was in prison, you, you came to visit me. Lord, when did we see you in prison? When you did it for them. Right. When you did it for them, you were doing it to me. When you ministered to them in prison, you were ministering to Jesus. Amen? And so that is a spiritual law in the kingdom. That serving is unto the Lord, but I may not necessarily be face to face with Him when I'm doing it. Amen? So it says, by love serve one another. Jesus takes personally the things done for His church and to His church, meaning the church being the people of God. Hallelujah. The things we do in the local church are for the people. The things that we do here in the sanctuary is for the people. Hallelujah. And it's unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 instructs us to offer ourself or present ourself as a living sacrifice. Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. This word beseech is a very strong word. So this is not just a random, I'm giving you some insight, maybe a little bit of advice. The way to describe or illustrate this word would be a person getting down on their knees and taking that that other person by the hand and pleading with them. I beseech you. I beseech you. I'm pleading with you. I am, this is such a serious matter that it, it has to be taken so seriously. I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Or you could say, it's the least you could do. Yeah. Remember, we've been called unto liberty, 
But that liberty is now the best use of that liberty is to serve the Lord. The best use of that liberty is to present my body to Him. It's the least I could do. Amen? And so this presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, that means that I am presenting my abilities, I'm presenting my dedication, I'm presenting my diligence, I'm presenting my time for His use, for His purposes. When Keith Moore made this statement, he said, the Lord told me that the more valuable my time becomes to him, the more he will help me to redeem it. He said, the more valuable that my time becomes to God, God said he would help me redeem it. And he said, the way he began to help me redeem it was by bringing equipment that made my job easier, equipment that made the church work easier, people, staff, all of the technology. He said those things he began adding to me up to and including the airplane. Why? Because his time became more valuable to God. And God brought resources to help make that time even more effective. Redeeming the time even more so as you see the last days approaching. But notice the key. His time had to be important to God. Am I doing with my time what is valuable to the Lord? Am I presenting my body, including my time, as a living sacrifice to God? God, what could I be doing that honors you? God, how could I be investing my, my afternoon that is going to honor you? How can I be planning my future in a way that's going to honor you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. This is food to grow by, saints. Because we are seeing that there is a renewing of the mind necessary to see that church is not a spectator sport. It is not something uh, just to attend, but to participate in. Amen? And so Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10 for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward His name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God doesn't forget that. He takes note of that. It registers on his radar. Hallelujah. God is not unrighteous to forget your work, your labor of love that you're doing in his name, that you're doing to the, for the saints, ministering to the saints. Minister again means serving, serving the saints. Serving the saints. God doesn't forget how we serve the saints. God doesn't forget how we serve. 
at the door as we greet. God doesn't forget that diligence in, in whatever capacity, in the cameras, in uh, the AV department, in the uh, media department, whatever department, God doesn't forget that. He is not unrighteous to forget this work and this labor of love. And we do it in His name, towards His name. The complete Jewish version says, Your work and the love that you showed to Him in your past service to His people. The work and the love you showed to Him. The work and the love you showed to Him. So when we are ministering in whatever capacity in the church, whatever capacity in the ministry, we are showing love to Jesus. We are showing love to God. Because we're doing it to Him, in His name, for Him. Amen? Hallelujah. I, I want us to see that this is eternal in value. There are things you could do for a charity organization and, that may not have the same eternal value as when you do it in the name. Now, I'm not saying you can't go in the name of Jesus and minister in, uh, along with some charitable organization. But when we are... Jesus is the head of the church. He's the head of the church. He has chosen the local church to be the place where there is discipleship and growth and spiritual maturing taking place. He has given unto the church. He has given gifts unto men in the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist. He has given those gifts for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. He, he desires for us to be about His business, kingdom business, focused on the plan and the purpose that God has designed us for, giving ourselves into His design, giving ourselves into His plan, not just for this day, not just for this hour, not just for recognition or something to do in, in church, but for the kingdom and for the eternal value of what I'm doing. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you remember a song that used to be on TBN years ago? I think Ray Boltz was the one who sang it. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was saved. And the premise is there are going to be people who meet us in heaven who say thank you for being a word supplier. Thank you for how you changed my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The eternal value. Not just things that we are experiencing here. Not just the reward of ministering to the Lord here, serving in His kingdom here, experiences His anointing here, growing and developing. Because what happens, what happens when you connect in one place and you give your faithfulness in that place, that diligence, you begin to experience not only the growth from being under the Word, not only the growth, but there is a, a, a connection to the anointing that begins to flourish in your life yeah. by being a part Amen. of what God is doing. Amen. Hallelujah. By, by connecting to the vision and to help fulfill the vision. Yeah. I will remind you that the mighty men weren't mighty when they came to the cave Abdullam. 
They weren't mighty. They were in debt. They were in distress. They were discontented. They were tore up from the floor up, y'all. They were a mess. But they came and they, they made him their leader. They made David their leader. And in, in Chronicles, it says that they became mighty as they, uh, this is my words, as they assisted David in the assignment on his life. They, they weren't mighty when they came, but they became mighty as they stood and assisted and served in helping him do what God called him to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know what? They began to look like him in battle. They began to have some of the same testimonies in battle. Right? Why? Because the same anointing that had come on David had come upon them. They, came, they became mighty as they developed in the anointing. And listen, there's no, there's no quick fix for it. There's, it's not just something that you can get in a moment. It's not something that you can get. You remember what uh, Paul told Timothy. He said, stir up that gift. Stir up that gift that was given to you through the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Stir up that impartation, one translation says. There was an impartation given and now he had to place a demand on it. He had, to, he had to work with it. He had to develop in that. And where you are today is not the end result of what God has for you. There is continual progress in the anointing. There is continual growth in the kingdom. There is a moving forward in the plan of God. There are phases in the plan of God that you haven't even accessed yet. Brother Copeland, the Lord spoke to him about uh, uh, pressing into living beyond what any of the men in his family had, uh, had lived in years. And, and the Lord uh, put in his heart uh, to, to uh, release his faith to live to 120. And he's been uh, showing a great example of strength and health of a man walking in that. But here's one of the things that motivated him. The Lord said, I have anointings for people, I have anointings that aren't operative in the earth. I have anointings for 80 years old and 90 years old. And there's very few of those anointings operative in the earth because nobody's pushing into living that long to operate in them. Now, if you think about the anointing on Brother Copeland today versus the anointing on where he was when he first started. Now, think about this. Where did he access, where did, how did God impart those anointings to him? As he flew a plane and drove a car. He was serving Oral Roberts, carrying his bag, carrying his Bible, walking alongside of him, praying with people, being the co-pilot on the airplane, being the driver from the airport or from the hotel to the meeting. How did he, he, he got in that place to receive of that impartation by serving, by serving. Glory to God, glory to God. And there were other impartations that God added to that. You can, you can see there's a, a video that I've seen of, of an impartation from Brother Hagen 
into his ministry. And it was at that point that he stepped into another office. He said, you're going to walk in the office of the prophet in a way that you've never walked in before. Hallelujah. And so there were impartations that came along the way. And those impartations came because he had been faithful in that first place. If he had not been faithful to go to Tulsa as God had instructed him and to go up that that elevator as God instructed him. He said, Lord, they're not allowing anybody up that elevator. And God sent him up the elevator and told him what to say when he got there. And, And then Oral Roberts walked out and said, the Lord told me you were coming. He had to be obedient and then he had to submit to that. He had to submit to being the oldest student in the whole campus. (laughs) He had to submit to those areas of obedience to be in the place where God could begin to prepare him. And what if... How many of you watch Victory Channel? What if he had never obeyed God? The anointing and the fruition in ministry and the impact in ministry that he is having today began with every step of obedience along the way and growth in the anointing, increase in the anointing, increase in the ministry gifts operating in his, operating in his life, faithfulness to, those office, to the office that God had called him to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the lives that have been impacted the kingdom progress that has been made praise God praise God one of my children was born with a collapsed lung and when they handed her to me she turned blue and so they took her out and I, I, was, I, I was started to ask, where's my baby? Somebody, where'd, where'd they take my child? Where'd they take my baby? And they, they had taken her out and taken her into the ICU. And the, the doctor came in and explained to me, we're not sure what's wrong. We don't know if she has something wrong with her lungs or if she has a heart problem. They began to give me all the worst case scenarios. And then they walked out and left me and my husband standing there and at that moment, we had, by that time, we had already, you know, been, we were sitting in the room waiting for a few minutes. And so uh, he had turned on the television. And so it was playing in the background. And when the doctor walked out of the room, we looked up. And at that moment, Brother Copeland was ministering on the TV. And he said, my heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. I will not fear evil tidings. Talk about an on-time word. Talk about how God can use a ministry and position that ministry in a time that will... And and that's what we took hold of. Our heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Our heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Hallelujah. How many other times? I mean, think about Jesse Duplantis who, who has worldwide impact. And he got saved in front of a television watching Billy Graham. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so we're not just... That, those are large ministry extreme examples. But think about this. Our impact in the local church is just as important in the kingdom yeah. 
as the large ministry. We are, we are a lighthouse in our community. We are a place where families are growing. We are a place where discipleship is going on. Amen? And so this work and this labor of love, God does not forget this labor of love. 1 Corinthians 15, 6. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's not what I want. I have written down the wrong scripture. Let me try 2 Corinthians. I don't think 2 Corinthians goes that far. It doesn't. Okay. Praise God. Praise God. 1 Timothy 6. Forgive me. 1 Timothy 6. Verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that, don't we? Sometimes we can be focused on gathering and collecting and, and, and maintaining our things, but we're not taking any of them with us. And so our value system has to be established by the Word and by our revelation of God's kingdom. So we brought nothing into the world and we can carry nothing out of the world. An identifying uh, testimony to that would be in Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 15. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 15 says, As he came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall he return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor which he may carry away in his hand. He shall take nothing of his labor which he may carry away in his hand. I want to read the NIV version of this. It says, He takes nothing from his labor or work that he can carry in his hand. Nothing from his labor or work that he can carry in his hand. Hallelujah. So our material works our material possessions the value of them is temporary the value of the investment of the things that we do with our finances is temporary god wants us to enjoy the blessings on this earth he wants us to enjoy all of the good things that he has prepared for us but when we begin to recognize they are temporary it gives us a recognition of what am I working for? What am I working for? Am I, am I working for just the temporary or am I working for the eternal and enjoying what the blessing brings? I, I want what I'm working for, what I'm giving my time and my efforts and my attention to, to be in line with what God's plan is for my life. 
what God has designed for my life, what He's designed for, for me in His ministry, because every, every one of us has a part to play in the ministry of God. Every one of us has something to do for His kingdom. Am I interested? Am I interested in His plan? Am I seeking Him about His plan? Am I giving my time and my attention and my efforts into the things that He has designed for me? Because I want to take you back to Revelation 14. We shared this in one of our earlier teachings just because it pleases me to think about it. Revelation 14, 13. I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yes, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. So there's nothing my hand can take. There's nothing my hand can take, but there's something that I do spiritually that will follow me. There are spiritual works of love that will follow me. There are obediences to God's plan that will follow me. There are are rewards of my faithfulness to the call and faithfulness to the anointing on my life and faithfulness to the position that God has privileged me to walk in and for you to walk in those rewards of faithfulness, those will follow us. Because we did them to Him in His name. They were from a heart of love and they have eternal value. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Eternal value. Eternal value. Little things are big. Eternal value. Hallelujah. Eternal value. Eternal value. And again, it is the diligence. It's the faithfulness. It is the uh, obedience. Obedience to His plan. Obedience to His instruction. Remember what servant means. One who executes the commands of another. I'm here to do your will, O God. I've come to do your will, O God. That's the attitude. And if the will of God, there have been times that the will of God for my life was being the nursery worker. There was a time that the will of God for my life was being the youth pastor. There was a time that the will of God for my life was, I was the head usher, y'all, and I ushed. I ushed with an unction. Hallelujah. And and none of those were beneath me, and none of them were stepping blocks to something better. All of them were something I was privileged to do. It was where God needed me. And I did it with all my heart, because God needed me. I've ran the sound. I've ran, I, I've ran the live stream. I've done all of those things. I've, I've been behind the scenes at all of the different areas. None of them are beneath me because all of them are unto the Lord. All of them are for Him. All of them are for kingdom advancement. And God's had a reward for everyone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So uh, let's just... Here in uh, this final stretch, let's go back and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because we're talking about eternal rewards. 
but how do they apply here? What, what works and labors that I'm doing here are profitable in this way? 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 28. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now, we know that 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14, actually the whole of 1 Corinthians is Paul bringing correction to some areas that were in error in the church at Corinth. And so he is establishing some things here in chapter 12 concerning the gifts of the Spirit. And then in chapter 13, he emphasizes that love is the most important because if the gifts of the Spirit aren't being operated in a heart that's grounded in love, then they're not going to have the effectiveness that God wants them to have. And you'll be like a person who is operating in them is going to be like a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal because there's nothing without it coming from that heart of love. And we're talking about by love serving one another. And so these are things that he is establishing. And so he's coming and listing these. And then he says, are all, a prophet, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing? And so he's, he's dealing with that. But notice that in this list he gives us in verse 28, he includes this word helps. It's, it's such a... a interesting addition right here next to gifts of healings because we're impressed with gifts of healings glory to God for gifts of healings Woo! gifts of healings prophets and teachers and miracles Woo! we're impressed with miracles we're impressed with, with these offices that people have put in, a, in, 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 in uh, awe. Yeah. There is honor in those offices, yeah. but there's honor in the helps. Amen. If God called you to helps and you try to go pastor, <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. It will not bring fulfillment because the anointing isn't there for it. It's for what He calls us to do, what He has assigned us to do. So helps is listed as something God has set in the church. And it is as supernatural in its supply as the prophet's ministry. It's as supernatural in its supply as the miracles. It is as supernatural in its supply as the gifts of healings. Helps is supernatural in its working. Helps is supernatural in its working. The way that we minister to one another in the helps ministry, there is an anointing, a supernatural supply, and a supernatural reward in this ministry just as much as in any of these others listed here. Government is a word that means to steer or pilot the ship. 
it's referring to the pastor's office. We would say if we were uh, recognizing uh, gifts that pertain to an office that miracles and gifts of healings would generally apply into the evangelist's office. So he's talking about these different roles and he lists helps and pastor there because it is vital to the work of God. It is important. The, The impact that one pastor can make is limited by the help that he has. Because every aspect of helps ministry is an extension of the pastor's office. When the youth pastor is pastoring the youth, they are an extension of the head pastor. The anointing is delegated from the head to that delegated office. Hallelujah. When the children's ministry, ministering to the children, is an extension of the pastor's ministry, he's steering, he's directing the ship, and we are all picking up the, in, the, the instructions and, and multiplying the ability of the pastor. Hallelujah. So when we see this ministry of helps, we've got to see that it is ministry. That is why we do not, we do not promote that you are volunteering in a department. We don't want volunteers. Please don't come and volunteer your time. I don't want volunteers. I want people who understand this is ministry. This is ministry because if you're a volunteer, you can take it or leave it. you'll, You'll treat it as something that's optional because I'm just volunteering. But if it's ministry, the Lord's counting on me. If it's ministry, I'm doing this as unto the Lord and I will be faithful to Him. So we do not promote an attitude of volunteerism in the church, but instead the Word of God gives us the example of servant and ministering is serving. So when we, when we connect to a department, we have found a place to serve and there's an anointing for me and I want to be diligent because I'm doing it as unto the Lord and God's counting on me. Hallelujah. So when we see that importance of this and the spiritual aspect of it, we will understand the supply and the reward. In the same way, those who are serving are receiving. Those who are serving are are receiving. Now, I I learned that when I was uh, running the nursery... When the people would come after service, and I could hear it. I could hear the service. And I knew that pastor's running. They're shouting. Somebody's probably walking the pews. They are having one of those kind of services. And then the parents would come to pick up their children, and they would say, Woo, you missed it. Oh, no, I did not. I get the reward for serving because I was here with your child, you got it. Because I was here taking care of your little one, you were able to abandon yourself in the presence. You think I'm going to walk away empty while you got something? I get the double. (laughs) I get the the servant reward. Amen? I get the reward. Why? Because God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love. So... So the nursery worker's not missing it. They're getting it, and they're getting it in a way that um, 
It is a stable, steadfast impartation into their lives. Let's look finally as we uh, bring this to a close at 2 Chronicles chapter 9. Now just in case you're counting, I'm counting that one as my first close. I, 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 I made a mention I didn't want you to think that other one was a close. That was not a close. That was just a redirect. Second Chronicles 9. Verse 1. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at Jerusalem with a very great company and camels that bear spices and gold in abundance and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. And there was nothing hid from Solomon which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, his cupbearers also, and their apparel, and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And you remember how, how Brother Leroy would say it? The girl fell out. <laughs> the girl fell out. <laughs> Hallelujah. There was no more spirit in her. She was moved by what she saw, wasn't she? There was something in this preparation and in the serving and in the excellence in the house that she saw and it moved her. And, you know, newcomers are also moved by what they see. Newcomers are moved by what they see. And sadly, some people judge from outside appearance. So we want to bring the quality and the excellence as much as lies within us to everything concerning the house of God, concerning to our appearance, concerning to the way that we conduct things. Because we want to minister to people for the Lord. Amen? She saw Solomon's wisdom. She saw his wisdom. And yes, there were things that he in his conversation shared, but that's not what is limited in this list that we see in verses 3 and 4. When she, it says she saw the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he built. She sees this wisdom in all of these things listed. The meat of the table, the sitting of the servants, the attendance of the, minister, of the ministers, their apparel, his cupbearers, their apparel, the way that he carried himself up to the house of God. All of those things were wisdom examples. Examples of how he had applied the wisdom of God. So wisdom can be seen in the way things function. Wisdom can be seen in the way that things are handled. Wisdom can be seen in the way that things are, are cared for and, and kept up and maintained. Hallelujah. 
I know the scripture, this is not scripture, but it doesn't violate scripture. Cleanliness is part of godliness. <laughs> it doesn't violate scripture, but it, it does go along. Cleanliness is a part of godliness. Newcomers are going to judge the bathrooms. They're going to judge the water fountain. They're going to judge the nursery floor. They're going to judge uh, the, the, the order and the arrangement of the platform. And that's why we've got to uh, continually see things and, and own it. If something's on the floor, I'm not going to leave it for somebody else to get. I'm going to get a tissue and pick it up. I, if I see something out of place, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own that. I'm going to step up and try to help organize or help in that area. Why? Because I want people not to be distracted by things. I want them to see the wisdom of God in our house. This is our house. Um, I, I appreciate something that I heard Pastor Nancy Dufresne say about their local, about their sanctuary in their local church. She said she was making mention that she had been to some churches with her husband when he was ministering and traveling that had the smoke on the stage and, and they would turn down all the lights and they had, it was like a light show. And I'm not criticizing anybody who does that. I'm just sharing something that, that helped me, that she shared with me. She said, you know, my mother always warned me against going in places that looked like that. She said, it didn't make me feel comfortable to be in that place. She said, when my church family comes together, I want this to look like our, our home. I want it to be quality and excellent. I want it to be beautiful, but I don't want it to look like a place of entertainment. I want it to be a look, look like a place where the family gathers, where the family gathers. And I want to say, I am so thankful for how God has blessed us with these beautiful rugs. I'm so thankful for how He's blessed us with, with the, uh, the ability to be able to come together and to look and, and to, to have it. This is home for us when we come together as a church family. Amen? And so at home, everybody has a part to play. Everybody has a chore to do, right? Everybody has, has uh, ownership of cleaning up the house. Amen? And so this wisdom is because we want, not, we, we want to represent God with the wisdom that He has made available to us. Amen? Amen. And so that wisdom was seen in the way that they arranged the platform and prepared the different places in the house. Amen? Here in verse 4, it also identifies the sitting of His servants. The sitting of His servants. Hallelujah. I went to a church. When we first went to the Kansas City area, we looked for a year trying different churches, trying to find a church that believed God still speaks to you. <laughs> trying to find a church that believed in, in the 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 moving of the Spirit, the Word of God. And one of the churches that I went to, it was a big church. It was a church that was um, uh, a prominent church in the city. And it, 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 I learned something there. There was a quality and excellence demand placed on their church. And so uh, my, my daughter was uh, 
little bitty in the, in the carrier baby, you know, still in the carrier. She was that small. And so uh, when we, we went into the sanctuary, I took her in the seat. The nursery was already full. And so I couldn't take her to the nursery. So I had to take her into the sanctuary with me. And I had her in her car seat. And I walked in and I set the car seat on the church row. And it was chairs like these. I set the car. The, I actually, I set it, set it on the ch- chair next to me. And the usher came to me immediately. Of course, they were sitting us in our seats and, and giving us instruction of where to sit. Okay. And the usher came to me immediately. And he said, ma'am, excuse me, you can't put that car seat on the chair. And I said, okay. And so I picked it up and I put it on the floor and he came right back. He was right back there, ma'am, no, ma'am, I'm sorry. You can't put that on the floor. You're going to have to hold the child. Hallelujah. Well, it was dangerous, first of all, for the car seat to be on the chair. They didn't want the, somebody to accidentally knock it over, right, the car seat. There were people walking through the aisle. I was like, okay, so I had to hold the baby. And they took, but you know what? They had a standard. They had a standard. I mean, have y'all been to a church where the usher said, no, sit back down? Come on, have y'all been to a church where they said, we're praying, you can't go out? You know, that's why I became the head usher because as soon as prayer started, everybody started hitting that door in and out. And they said, we got to stop this. Well, we need an usher. So I had to be the usher to say, but I had been to some churches by then with the ladies with their white gloves and their white, their white uniforms who let me know, no ma'am, you need to sit back down. I was going to go, no, not right now. You can't go to the bathroom right now. Sit back down. Okay. All right, why? Order. In the church. Order in the church. This is not a free-for-all. This is not a have-it-your-way. And that order sets an environment of honor for the house. And what they were doing was they were helping establish some guidelines and some, you know, because what does it look like if somebody walks in? I'm not pointing at anybody. I'm going to just close my eyes for a minute. Let's say, for instance, people were trying to find chairs in the, somewhere to sit in this house tonight. <laughs> you know, kind of like it was this morning. We were pretty full this morning. And they walk in, and they're looking around, and every time they think, well, that's empty, and they get there, and they no, it's not empty. There's stuff there. And they walk over here, and no, it's not empty. There's stuff there. Hallelujah. That preparation and that... That bringing, uh, I'm not saying that your coat being next to you is wrong, but I'm just saying that, that recognizing we, we can't just come and sprint out all over the place. <laughs> that there's decorum and that there's a preparation because this is the house of God. Hallelujah. Moving right along, the sitting of his servants, the attendance of his ministers. People never grow beyond the leadership. People aren't going to grow beyond the leadership. That's why there's a demand that pastor places on us as leaders because we are examples whether we like it or not. 
We are setting a pace and setting an example whether we like it or not. Just the fact that you have been entrusted with a role, a responsibility, establishes that people are looking to you as being a standard setter. Hallelujah. So because of that, we have that uh, requirement that leaders need to be in church services. If, if, uh, as our policy reads, and I'm just going to go with how it's stated, that if you are in a position of leadership, you need to be in three services a week and at least one under the teaching of the senior pastor. Why is that? Uh, We don't want you just coming and doing your ministry and going home. Because if you don't catch the pastor's heart, it's not going to work very long. If you're not getting the impartation of the vision and catching the vision of the house, if you're not flowing with the same thing we're flowing with, there's not going to be. And so that standard is a... It's not about what they require. It's about I will... Listen, I'm I'm helping somebody. They require this and they require... Listen, if that's too much for you, maybe you need to go on down the street. Where they don't require it, where they don't even have three services a week. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, we have people who minister. We have more than the services that you go to. Pastor Anna is very involved in our Hispanic ministry, and she is a faithful part of that Hispanic ministry on Saturday night. So there's a lot of times that she, uh, because of different uh, schedules or whatever, she may not come on Sunday night because she's been there uh, Wednesday serving in the youth ministry, Saturday serving in the Hispanic ministry, and then Sunday morning. And, and sometimes girlfriend's got to wash her hair, you know. <laughs> it's like we got to get worked in the morning. And, and so a lot of times we don't see that. You know, this past, I also, because I'm, I'm uh, in the Hispanic ministry, you know, there are, are some times with Lily, because I got Lily here all the time, and Sister Gloria, where would I be without Sister Gloria, amen? She gets, she gets mucho reward in heaven. <laughs> A great grandiose reward in heaven. Amen. And so there are times that there's a lot of ministry that, I'm, that y'all don't see that we're in. Uh, but the emphasis is still on that example. Leaders are automatically examples to the sheep. We lead from the front. We lead from the front. Our body language, our clothing choices, where we sit, and our attendance to events tells people more than our words could tell them. If we're not interested, if we're sitting in the back checking our phone, then people think, what are they doing leading? Leaders lead from the front. Leaders lead from the front. I'm not, not, not necessarily everybody having to sit up front, but I'm telling you, be in the front in the pool. Be in the front in the, the, the carrying out of the vision because you're automatically an example. Hallelujah. And so that commitment and that uh, um, uh, carrying out of the vision is vital and it's wisdom being walked out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Often the leaders will spend more time with the sheep than the pastor does in a one-to-one situation. 
There are times because the leaders are, are more mingling that they're going to be spending more time with uh, the sheep. And that's why the pastor has to have this requirement of diligence and faithfulness and carrying the vision because we are overseers to make sure that we're influencing the flock of God correctly that we are influencing the flock of God in the same uh, vision and focus as the pastor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The other thing that it says here is, uh, notice it mentioned apparel twice. The attendance of his ministers and their apparel, his cupbearers also and their apparel. That, that came up in the, situ in, the, in the list twice, didn't it? Of something that she noticed how they were dressed. She noticed how they were dressed. Now, I'm not, uh, a, a, I'm not saying that you have to go out and buy a certain brand or, or wear a certain uh, uh, amount, but wear your best. Wear your best. Iron your clothes. Come clean. Amen? Why? Because... It matters. We're representing not just people who are in a department leading role, not just people who are, are in one of the associate pastor roles. But, you know, the reason that our praise team is wearing the same color every Sunday is we want to promote unity. We, we want to flow as one. We want to represent. When you look up there, we don't want you to see somebody in yellow and somebody in orange and somebody in, in uh, uh, <laughs> thank you, uh, somebody in, in these wild colors. We want to come and we want to represent and we want to represent that unity. So the apparel being mentioned is a, uh, a, recommend, a, a, a recognition of the importance of how we present ourselves. Now, I know that a lot of churches are, are dressing down, and I'm not here to criticize them, but we do set our standards. Yeah. And, you know, if I, I don't watch basketball, but if I ever did, I noticed that the coaches are not wearing hoodies. The coaches are not wearing button-downs, pullovers, what do those coaches of the basketball teams wear? They wear, they wear suits at a basketball game? Yes. Yes. You know what else I noticed? I noticed that when I turn on, and I don't watch, but back in the pastor doesn't even watch it anymore, but when we would turn on Sports Center, they don't have on hoodies or pullovers either. They don't have on blue jeans and button-downs either. They don't have untucked shirts either, do they? What are the, and, and we're preaching the gospel? What I'm doing is more important than a basketball coach of, of the biggest, most influential team on the planet. What I'm doing is more important than them. What I'm doing is more important. What I am reporting is more important than what the ESPN correspondents are reporting, what the ABC News correspondents are reporting. What I'm reporting is of greater value. How much more should I bring myself in quality and excellence? Because it's not just to you that I'm ministering. I'm ministering to the Lord by ministering to you. 
What I'm doing for you is to Him. What I'm doing in my faithfulness and my diligence and the way that I present myself. And I'll be honest, there are times that I, I try to, that it would be better for me to listen to certain ministers with my eyes closed because I can look at them and it takes away from what they're saying. It does. It, and it's not because, and I'm like, Lord, I'm not being judgmental. I'm not being critical. It's none of my business what they wear. It's none of, I, I say it out loud. <laughs> it's none of my business what they wear. But if they just knew how it affects the receiving. Yeah. It affects the receiving. And that, that's why the coaches are wearing suits. And the ESPN reporters and the ABC and CBC or whoever, whatever, they're all wearing suits because they want you to hear what they're saying and they want you to take value in what they're saying. And even if they're telling lies, they want you to hear what they're saying. But we cannot, we, this is not a time to lower our standards. This is a time to bring our best to God. And again, it's not about the dollar amount of the suit, but it's about bringing our best, looking our best, trying to bring a quality and an excellence because that is wisdom. And it is something that she noticed and it's something that newcomers notice, how we carry ourselves and how we present ourselves. Hallelujah. Notice verse 7. Actually, let's go ahead and read. We didn't read 5, 6. Let's read that as well. And she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land of your acts and of your wisdom. Howbeit I believed not their words until I came and mine eyes had seen it. Notice it was something visible. It, there was, there, the way, it was visible. His wisdom wasn't just his words. It was visible. I saw it, my own eyes have seen it, and behold, the one half of your greatness of your wisdom was not told me, for you exceeded the fame that I heard. Happy are thy men, and happy are these thy servants, which stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, which delighted in thee to set thee on his throne, to be king for the Lord thy God, because thy God loved Israel to establish them forever. Therefore made he thee king over them to do judgment and justice. Glory to God. Glory to God. Their attitude affected her. She saw how happy they were. She saw the joy in their faces and it ministered to her for God. She saw God in them. She, she saw God at work through the people serving. She recognized God's behind this. God has set you as king and God has established happy are your men and happy are these your servants which stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. The joy that I see resident and present in their lives is a witness to me that God is in this place. So that means 
when you throw that door open and you say, welcome to Faith Builders. God is at the door. People are seeing God at the door. When, the, when you take the newcomer and say, your child is at our nursery age, let me introduce you to our nursery worker and, and the director of our nursery department. And you open up that door and Sister Gloria says, well, glory to God. Good to have you today. Lily looks at me and Lily says, oh, darling. She's with Sister Gloria and Sister Gloria says, oh, darling. And so, so Lily has started saying, oh, darling. She calls me, oh, darling. And they just feel the love from our nursery department, our nursery director. And they say, God's in that nursery. God is in that nursery. Hallelujah. They step back and, and they say, well, we want you to receive a gift that our pastors have for you here at the media center. Make sure that you just stop in there and get your gift. And they go back there and, and, and they see the joy on the people working behind the media table. And they say, God's at the media table. And then they walk in here into the sanctuary and people are greeting them and people are saying hello and please, if you see somebody in this house you've never met before, you go say hello to them. Amen. Please. I have, I have, listen, we went for a year to different churches. I said that in Kansas. And there were churches that I sat through. I came in early. Pastor and I came in early, sat through the whole service and, and we didn't just jump up and leave before the service was over. We waited till they dismissed and we walked out with everybody. And I, honest to God, there was one church nobody in the building ever, ever spoke to us. That will not ever be said about this church. We will, if a newcomer comes in, I want everybody to go introduce yourself. So many that they say, I met so many people, I can't remember y'all's names. <laughs> Amen? Because we want God to be seen through us. We want them to see God in us. Amen? Because when we do it unto them, we're doing it for Him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. What an honor that God allows us to be a part of what He's doing. He allows us. What a privilege that we get to. That needs to be our attitude. I get to serve in God's church. I get to greet. I get to sing on the praise team. I get to these areas. Hallelujah. 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 Now, faithfulness. Faithfulness to the vision is not necessarily doing what you want to do all the time. But it's doing what needs to be done. You know, the people who are on the praise team, for example, I'm just going to use that as an example, are people who've been with us a long time or people that God has specifically brought and connected hallelujah but there are a lot of people who want to be in the the pulpit ministry or in the the praise team because well that's what i want to do well right now i need somebody on the cameras 
So if you're willing to start in the cameras, when an opening comes for the praise team, I might consider you. But here's what I'm, here's what I, let me finish that thought. If you're not willing to serve on the camera or on the computer or at the door or vacuuming the floor, why would I put you in a place where people are seeing you as an example if you haven't been an example with a vacuum cleaner or an example with a computer keyboard? Or whatever the case may be. Amen. You see me smiling? Amen. I love you enough to tell, tell us all, nothing is beneath us. And we, if, if a person only wants a position so that they can feel important or to be seen, that's the wrong reason. And that, that it, it, what, what qualifies us is faithfulness. So serve where the opportunity arises. Make yourself available and serve. And when I see the servant's heart, I'll recognize that person is qualified for this other area if I need them. Remember where Elisha was when, when God sent Elijah to find him? He was being faithful with a plow. You remember where Joshua was when, when it was time for Moses to have a successor? He was serving already. Serving Moses. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so that serving makes us great. Makes us great in the kingdom. Will you stand to your feet with me tonight? Hallelujah. 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 I just want you to say this out of your heart. Would you just open up your heart to the Lord tonight and just, just submit to His plan. Say this with me. Father, I desire to serve in Your work for Your glory. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, have you received tonight?